Grace you and peace in the name of God, the Father Almighty, who created the sea and dry land, as Jonah told the sailors. And from Jesus Christ, who is the second Jonah, who entered into the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, so that we might believe that he is the resurrection and the life. And from God, the Holy Spirit, who took his powerful living word out of the mouth of a reluctant prophet to bring grace to a people who only knew violence. Be seated, please. The Assyrian Empire, both in the 8th century when Jonah was serving B.C. and a couple of centuries afterwards, left us all sorts of remnants of their power and their violence inscribed in stone. There are depictions of how they treated their captives while they were still alive. They would cut their hands and their feet off. There are depictions of prisoners that they took, either from defeated armies or from the lands they conquered, where they placed sticks through their rectums with the description, if done properly, you could keep a person alive for days in this condition. The Old Testament prophet Nahum, who followed Jonah, described the city with this verse, Nahum 3.1. Woe to the bloody city, completely full of lies and pillage. Her prey never departs. That was Nahum 3.1. We're using the same verse citation in our Old Testament reading, Jonah 3.1 as the springboard for this verse about second chances. Why don't you turn to the back of your bulletin and read the very first verse that appears on the back of our bulletin, Jonah 3, 1, with me, top left corner. As we find it, we read together. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to the Okay. You're, you want to keep reading. You don't have to read it. I just wanted verse 1, but you want to know more about it. I'm going to tell you more about it. So, the second time. Well, I think most of you know what happened the first time. This is chapter 1 of Jonah, verses you probably know. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. And cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. And most of you know what he did the first time God called him. He got into a boat, paying for his own disobedience. He bought a fare that was probably not going to be charged to him by a trip to Nineveh, but he paid for his disobedience, got in that boat, and sailed, we believe, to Spain, or at least that was the destination before God very quickly sent a storm upon that ship. So as you think about those stone depictions of how the Ninevites treated people that they conquered, and also some of their own people, apparently, you can understand why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh and bring a message warning them of their destruction. 
Jonah, whose name means dove, was not very dove-like. He was far more hawkish. He saw this country that was a constant threat to not only the ten tribes of the north of Israel or the southern tribe of Judah, but this country was very powerful, and Nineveh and Assyria had been a threat and a perpetual threat to years and years to people surrounding that nation. If you think about the way that both Jonah and Nahum and other prophets in the Old Testament describe Nineveh and their atrocities, I think of Putin or Hitler on steroids. Now we have a better reason to understand why Jonah did not want to go to that city and be a message that might spare them. Jonah indeed had righteous anger, as you and I oftentimes have when people treat us badly. But he did not want God to prevent vengeance from falling upon that city. But God is a God of love. And judgment is an alien part of how he operates. It is how he operates. But it is not his first nature. God is love, the epistle of John tells us. That is his first nature. He did not desire the death of any sinner of the world, nor did he desire the death of the Ninevites. And so Jonah, the reluctant prophet, the second time does finally go to Nineveh, and he preaches a message somewhat reluctantly still, a message of repentance. Now, Jonah, a very short book, only four chapters, uh, has Jonah preaching this message. It's a three-day message, apparently, and it is believed. And uh, that's probably the greatest miracle of the book. Most people focus on the fact that he was in the belly of the sea monster for three days, but I think the real miracle is that the city of Nineveh believed Jonah and repented in sackcloth and ashes, including having their animals dressed up in sackcloth and ashes. So at the end of, the, at the end of chapter 4, as Jonah is sitting probably on the hills east of Nineveh, looking down, waiting for the judgment of God, hoping that God would not be loving towards them, this is what his complaint is to God. Please, Lord. Was this not what I said while I was in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art gracious and compassionate, that you are God who is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Jonah's actually quoting God himself. That's how God described himself in Exodus 34 to Moses. And you may remember that Moses, for the most part, had a response to rebellion that was really the opposite of Jonah. Moses is the one who, instead of wanting to call down wrath upon the rebellious people who made the golden calf, he becomes an intercessor. And he pleads with God to be merciful to his people. And it's interesting that in chapter 34, Shortly after God describes himself this way, God says that he is going to make all of his goodness pass before Moses. 
And as he does that, he repeats the words, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. So will the real God stand up? Is the real God a God of judgment or a God of love? He is both. He is a God that reflects the heart of Moses, appealing for God not to wipe out his own people, but to be merciful and to forgive them, and indeed he does. And God is also just. And it would be 100 years later that Nineveh would be wiped off the map. We meet Jonah a couple of times in Scripture besides his book. We meet him in 2 Kings 14, during a time that was an interesting time because it's a time when the ten tribes of Israel were extremely unfaithful, led by an unfaithful king, and yet they were also extremely powerful and had all sorts of victories militarily. Jonah shows up also in Jesus' ministry. As Jesus describes that it would be the men of Nineveh at the judgment day who would stand up and condemn Jesus' generation because they repented when Jonah preached. But Jesus, the second Jonah, was far greater than Jonah. And the people of Jesus' day, many of them did not repent. So Jonah 3.5 is this beautiful verse. And the people of Nineveh believed God. When Jesus described that these same people who believed God would then be at the judgment day, He's telling us that they had this man and his word only, but the people of Jesus' day had God in the flesh, the second Jonah. They heard his voice, the voice of God, and they also saw the hand of God do great miracles. They saw Jesus himself conquer sin on the cross and death in the empty grave, and yet so few of them believed. As we think about second chances, we think about our own life. And I am reluctant to say the God of second chances, because if you know me, and I've been around long enough that I have sinned against you probably more than twice, God has given me far more than a second chance. And God, I suspect, has given you more than a second chance. He is a God of many chances. The people of Nineveh feared God, we are told. They revered him. The word in the Old Testament means that they respected his power. And according to what we know about the sailors who were on the ship, they actually believed that the Yahweh God, the true God of the Israelites, was their God. They had genuine faith. Whether or not the Ninevites had genuine faith and understood who God was is doubtful, but at least they stopped their violent ways. God is a God of second chances for sure, and more than that. And we hear this coming up again numerous times. And so Solomon, you may remember, God revealed himself to Solomon, and if your knowledge is really good, he revealed to him, twice. In fact, he appeared to him in glory a couple of times. 
And so when Solomon decided to follow the gods of the many wives he had married, the book of 1 Kings says this in chapter 11. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. You may remember that the cock crowed in the courtyard where Jesus was held on trial two times. Why do you think two times? Well, of course, it was a prophecy of Christ, but I think there was some reason why it didn't just crow once. I think God was giving Peter a warning. You heard my prophecy. You heard the cock crow once. How many times do you need to hear it before you trust me? And so after that first cock crow, you wonder what Peter is thinking. God oftentimes gives us his message more than once, and oftentimes more than twice. In this case of Jonah, Jonah is an interesting study in a tortured man who really wants God's judgment, not God's mercy. And you get the sense when you read the rest of the book that he's learned his lesson. You cannot escape God, and so he follows through with what he is directed to do. He preaches God's word to a city, and despite the fact that he doesn't fully want God to be graceful, the word is effective. People believe, they repent, and the people, it wasn't God's command, they dressed up in sackcloth and ashes, and they also dressed their animals in sackcloth and ashes. I get the sense that Jonah followed through with this, but he lacked a real genuine faith. He lacked the compassion that God had for these people. When you think about this symbol of these animals dressed in sackcloth and ashes, I think about a lot of people who do the right thing but lack genuine faith. I think that those animals are a symbol of you and I when we act like Peter or act like Solomon and we kind of go through the motions but we lack a genuine faith. Jesus wants us to have continuity between what we believe that we should be graceful as Jesus is graceful and that we also follow through with grace towards those around us. I know that many of you like me, when someone sins against us, we'd like wrath to come, especially things that we think are unjust. But how many times do we need to remember that we have sinned against God and God has given us grace instead of judgment? This account of Jonah is the account that is used on the Day of Atonement by our Jewish friends the most holy day of the year, the day when we are at one with God. I like to say at one not atonement. When you're face-to-face -face with God, it signifies the end of time, the judgment of God. Why is this really brilliant and hopeful? Because Jewish people, when they look at this account, they know, number one, that you cannot escape God. And so on the Day of Atonement, you know, you're not going to be able to be like Jonah and get in a boat and go to Tarshish. God knows where you're going, and he's going to find you. 
So that's part A of why it's a brilliant story for the Day of Atonement. Everyone, as the New Testament says, every knee shall bow. We will all know that Jesus is the Christ and has returned. He will flash like lightning across the sky. But the second part of what Jewish people believe is that in this account of Jonah is mercy. And really, if you read chapter 4, it's very similar to some of Jesus' parables. It's an unfinished story. Jonah is looking down upon the land, and the question is, is he going to end up with the same sort of heart that God has towards the Ninevites? Will Jonah also be merciful? We don't know how that ends. We know that Jonah did the right thing. Did he believe the right thing? God wants to be merciful. And Jesus is our second Jonah, our second chance to look at really the heart of God where we see the justice of God in the cross. If you don't believe in him, that's what you get. But if you do believe in him, you get resurrection and life. Just as Jonah spent three days in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man spend three days in the belly of the earth and rise to life. God wants us to have life. He wants us to believe in his mercy, and he wants us to be merciful, just as he is to us. The first time, the second time, the third time. Amen. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy to a violent people in the city of Nineveh. We are still surrounded by violent people, Lord. Sometimes they are in distant countries. Sometimes they are right here. Our first heart is for you to be vengeful, to wipe them out. But Lord, you change people by your mercy. We pray, Lord, that we would have your heart and be merciful to those around us and want them to be in fellowship with you so that you will not just get someone who does the right thing but believes that they are right because of what you have done for them. And you get to live with them forever. Bless us, Lord, with this faith. In your name we pray. Amen.